Thank you, worship team. You are here on a good day. It's a Sunday, and it's baptism day, and what a day to visualize what Jesus can do in our lives. Uh, buried, sins forgiven, washed away, raised to new life, and Jesus is able to build within us a new way of thinking, a new way of acting. And uh, so welcome. Glad you're here. And if you want to be baptized and you didn't plan on a day, just slip out the back to the Welcome Center and they'll help you. All right? We are in uh, the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to look at his second prayer in this letter. Uh, but before we look at that, let me just give you a little context where we were last week. Um, <clears throat> Paul spent a lot of time, end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3, talking about unity. And the fact that any, when anybody turns to God through faith in Christ, by God's grace alone, we are united with God through Christ. And not just that, we are united with each other. We, we actually become, regardless of our different preferences or looks or color or language or whatever, we are united with each other. Uh, we are on the same team. We are of the, of the same citizenship kingdom of heaven, ruled by God. We are of the same family. We are in the same house of God, each a stone with Christ as our corner stone. Unity. And so with that in mind, that we are united in Christ, Paul pauses in this letter to pray for the Ephesian church, to pray for the chapel, and gives us an idea of how we can pray for ourselves and for each other. And this is how he begins. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Let me just pause there for a moment and say, you know, the, uh, the, the posture uh, that we take when we pray, it's an interesting thing. There's nothing prescribed in Scripture. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to, you know, join your hands together. You don't have to fall prostrate. You don't have to kneel. But here Paul chooses to kneel. Now, in those days, it was common to stand and pray. So it's something that he chose to bend his knees. Why is that? Why the sense of earnestness? Why the sense of urgency? Well, Paul has a couple of things he wants to pray for the church, for us. The first one is an extreme makeover, the Jesus edition. We've all seen those television shows or in magazines, a picture of a of a, of a house the way it used to, well, I don't know. I thought that was there. Well, there it is right there. <laughs> Before and after. Let me go back to his words, though. He says, I pray that from, this, from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Jesus, by his spirit, wants to do something radical in our lives. Now, this takes a handy person. I've done two bathrooms in my life. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, and I'll never do another one. For some of you, it comes, it's very natural. For Jesus, through his spirit, it is very natural for him to change us from the inside out. We were once one way, now we are another. But sometimes that takes a lot of work by God's spirit. A favorite professor and theologian says this, when Christ first moves into our lives, he finds us in bad repair. It takes a great deal of power to change us. And that is why Paul prays for power. He is transforming us into a house that pervasively reflects his own character. 
Isn't that beautiful? You may be familiar with a little booklet written many years ago by Robert Munger called My Heart, Christ's Home. And in it, um, he talks, he uses our lives uh, he, as a metaphor. He refers to a house, and a house has many rooms in it. And Jesus, by his spirit, when he comes into our house, into our lives, he wants access to every room. But aren't there some rooms in our lives we don't want to give him access, right? And sometimes Jesus, by his spirit, will need to take a sledgehammer to those rooms he finally gets access to, or a sawzall, right? And break up that pride, and break up that anger, and break up that selfishness. But in return, by his spirit, he wants to build within us a sense of humility, and a sense of gentleness, and a sense of selflessness. You know those closets in our lives where we, where we stuff maybe that addiction or, or that secret? Jesus wants to come in and clean that closet out, turn the light on, and build within us a sense of forgiveness and healing and bring health to our lives. That's what Jesus can do by his Spirit, by God's power working within us. And so... That's one thing that Paul prays for us, that we would experience that real life change that comes by God's Spirit alone. But there's a second thing Paul prays. It's this, to experience God's love so that we can be God's love to others. This is what he writes. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the... and you. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Um, You may be familiar with Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. And in it, he says, may you experience the the radical, the um, extravagant love of God. May you understand uh, just the, the reach of the width of God's love. May you experience the, the, the length of God's love, plumb the depths of God's love, rise to the heights of God's love. How do we do that? Recently, my wife and I were standing with some friends on the ocean, and it was nighttime, and you could look up at the, at the, at the stars and imagine the, the expanse of the universe. Is that how big God's love is? No, it's bigger. Looking at, the, at the, the vastness of the ocean, is that how big God's love is? No, it's more. Or maybe it's experiencing the greatest love you could ever experience in life here on earth. Is it like that? No, it's better than that. Or probably best, we just look at the person of Jesus in Scripture and we see the love that he has for us. Is it like that? Yes, it's like that. But how do we experience that? It's over time. God's Spirit begins to build within us a sense of God's true love for us. And Paul says that's important to know because from that sense of love, we can grow strong. 
There are many things we could say about this, but one is this. And Paul, Paul brings it out in, in chapter 5. He says these words, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. What is Paul saying? That when we begin to experience God's love, it's not just for me alone. <laughs> I am to be a reflection of that love to those around me, to my family, to my coworkers, to my neighbors, to show what real sacrificial love looks like. Here's a good question for all of us. Do people know God is real because they see his sacrificial love displayed in my life. And that happens as we grow up in Christ, as God's Spirit begins to grow us and change us from the inside out, we begin to know God's love in a brand new way. Now those are the two ways that Paul prays for us, that we would experience a transformed life. Really, it's a picture of, it's what baptism is. Buried our old life, raised to new life. And then we experience God's love. Now, Paul shifts now from, from praying for the church, praying for us, to a sense of praise. And this is what he writes. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. In just a moment, the worship band is going to come out and lead us again in worship. But I want to take these few words here and transform them into several questions we can ask. There's an author that, that lays out several questions and some answers for us to consider as we come to the end of Paul's prayer. What is God able to do? He's able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Does your perspective of God, does your understanding of God allow for this? What would you like to see happen in your life? What change would you like to see happen in your life? How would you like to grow in the, in the area of love? God is able to do that. So we praise God that he alone can make that happen. Here's another question. How does God accomplish this? Because of his mighty power at work within us. Here's something interesting. If you are a if you are a follower of Christ, nobody has more Holy Spirit than you. We all have the equal amount of God's Spirit. What's key is do we surrender ourselves to God's Spirit and His change in our life? The third question and final question is this. What does, what does God, why does God do this? For His glory, which impacts our church and extends to all generations. What that means is, at the end of the day, it's not just about me. It's about my kids. It's about my grandkids. It's about family. It's about the people I impact every day of my life, who I'm, who I'm around. My changed life matters to them. So, I can't imagine a better prayer to walk through on a day when we experience baptisms, a visual reminder of a changed life. Let's pray together.